You're listening to She of the Wild, growing our souls through creativity with Beth Mori. That's me! Welcome to the She of the Wild podcast, episode seven. I'm Beth, and welcome. I welcome you individually, collectively, but I just want to let you know that I am so grateful for your ears, for your time, your attention, um, for taking or or for taking my podcast and making it a part of your life in some way. I've been getting just some really wonderful um notes about, you know, how this podcast is showing up in people's lives. And it's been really gratifying to hear that. So thank you. Thank you. And so much. Thank you. Um, and I would love it if you wanted to take your honest feedback and leave it in the iTunes store to let other potential listeners know if this is something that would be, um, up their alley. That would be awesome for me, for them, and maybe for you too. So thank you also for considering that. So I have a confession to make. (laughs) So I, the woman who talks about the power of creativity and specifically of writing and who teaches a writing class online and has published books and kind of has this stake in quote, being a writer, unquote. (laughs) I have not been writing. Oh my gosh. It's kind of terrible. And it's not terrible in like a self-flagellation sort of way because life has been, it has been very crazy and intense and lots of things have changed in my life. And so I'm just trying to fit myself and my soul and my mind into all these new routines and habits and ways of being. So I'm not saying, oh, it's terrible to, you know, to help induce a guilt trip in you if you also have not been writing or painting or practicing whatever form of creativity that you most like to practice. Because guilt helps no one. (laughs) It helps nothing. (laughs) But, um... I don't think it's called guilt, but there's something inside of us. You know, you know that thing. There's that thing inside of you that wants to write or paint or do whatever. I'm going to say write for the duration of this podcast, but please, please feel free to sub in whatever um, creativity form you practice or works best for you. Okay. So know that I'm speaking generally, but for lack of, or for sake of not being super verbose, I'm just going to say writing. Okay. So there's something inside me that needs, wants, desires, loves, also sometimes hates (laughs) to write. And maybe you have that thing inside of you too about writing or something else. And when you don't do it, it doesn't feel good. (laughs) And it's not about the guilt. Like I said, right? It's not about the guilt. I don't know what to call it. Maybe... 
there's something inside of us keeping us accountable to our soul growth, to our soul desires and needs. Um, maybe it's kind of a conscience thing and not, not that conscience who wags its finger at you and talks in your mother's voice and says, bad, bad, bad. Not that your mother necessarily said that, but you know what I mean? Like your teacher's voice or your dad's voice or your priest's voice or some sort of authority figure whose voice got kind of co-opted by that negative, toxic inner part that all of us have. Um, that can be both very hurtful and detrimental, but also very informative. But the conscience that I'm talking about is more of the helpful, more kind, more gentle, but also sharp if needed. If you're like telling it to to go, uh, blow off, you know, and it's like, you know what? You really need to get your butt in gear and do this because you're suffering And again, it's not about doing it just for the sake of doing it, doing it for accolades. It's about doing it for authenticity and for growth and for being whole, right? So my conscience has been niggling at me saying, Beth, what the heck? You haven't been writing. I haven't even been doing the She Writes Poetry 2016 challenge, which you can find on my website if you go to sheofthewild.com slash SWP, I believe is the website, but I'll put that link in the show notes just for your convenience. And in case that link I just told you is wrong, (laughs) but if you go to sheofthewild.com, you'll find it in, um, the header navigation under free goodies. Um, so just go for the free stuff and you'll find She Writes Poetry 2016, which is this communal, communal free writing challenge that we in the She of the Wild community have been doing together. So we've been working with this book called The Daily Poet, and it's put out by Two Sylvia's Press, which I love, and it basically has a poetry prompt for every day of the year. And so we began early in 2016, and I've probably written about 10 poems (laughs) in that time. Okay, maybe 15, but certainly not anywhere close to doing the daily thing. Which is fine because I know myself and I know that I cannot commit to a daily practice of anything pretty much except for like breathing. And if I could get away with not sleeping, I would do it. (laughs) Um, I find it really um, not just hard, but kind of unhealthy for me to say, I'm going to do this one thing every single day for a year. I think it's okay in smaller doses, like a 30 day challenge is much easier to digest, but the rebel in me says no (laughs) to that task mastery, um, kind of goal of a daily anything challenge. So I knew going into She Writes Poetry 2016 that I would not be doing it every day, but I was hoping for like four to five days out of the week. That would be really good for, in terms of my, um, flexing my creativity muscles, you know, keeping them nice and non-flabby and, you know, vital. And it fits well into my schedule, into my life as a mom, as someone who does other things and write poetry, although I would love to do just that sometimes. So I thought four to five days a week, great, but I haven't been doing even that. And I know I've had other life stuff going on, but today... Today I woke up and I slept in 
atrociously late. I actually didn't sleep in, but I, <laughs> I wanted to sleep in. My body wouldn't let me, but I stayed in bed anyway <laughs> and just kind of tinkered around in bed and looked on Facebook and posted something on Instagram. And then I finally got up at like two o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> really, this is not typical for me. So it feels very um, decadent to do things like that. But I think I needed it, you know. And so I did that, got up, um, and I listened to my body and I was like, what does my body want to do today? What does my soul want to do today? And what I think it told me was that it wanted to read some poems from my collection of Audre Lorde that I haven't been reading, but I've had for a little while now. I found it used at um, a used bookstore here and I was like, sweet, it's like a huge like tome of all this Audre Lorde. So I had read a little bit of it last week and it really just fed me and inspired me and I wanted to have more of that. So I decided I would take my granola outside, eat it, and read some poetry, and then I brought my notebook with me and my pen because I know that when I read poetry, I tend to also want to write poetry. So, and I said, I am going to do this. I don't know if my body said it wanted to write poetry, it wanted to read some, and then I said to myself, we were also going to write poetry. So I did, and it took me like 15 minutes, guys, which is no amount of time at all. And after I read some poems and then wrote my poem, I felt really silly <laughs> that I've been not writing because it didn't take very much time. And I think that some part of me thought that it was just going to take a whole lot of time, which again is silly because my poetry collection that I published, Night Cycles, it's not like I sat down for three or four hours a day and were, was turning out poetry or any kind of writing. Instead, the poems that I wrote that are, I didn't write them for Night Cycles, but the poems that appear in Night Cycles, I wrote um, throughout my first son's infancy. So life with a newborn, you can imagine, doesn't have very much time. You're full of, it's full of, you know, diaper changes and being awake at night and not getting a lot of sleep and having a person clinging to you for dear life for the majority of your day. And I was able to write poetry in the middle of that. I remember walking him to sleep in his room because he was a terrible sleeper. <laughs> and so I'd have these like marathon walking sessions in his room. I would walk him for like 45 minutes or more um, to try to get him to sleep and it never would work. Um, and I remember as I walked him, poem, a poem forming itself in my brain. I just kept repeating it over and over in my head as I walked him, holding him in my arms, hoping that I wouldn't forget it and also trying to let it unfurl, let the words keep coming and adding to it and then throwing him in his, not actually throwing him, but putting him in his crib and running for my notebook in the next room, trying to get it all down on paper. That is how I wrote Night Cycles. <laughs> it was not this blissful experience of, you know, going away or having the house to yourself or being outdoors and being so inspired, which is all awesome. But <clears throat> I always think that writing, quote, should be like that all the time. Um, and the shoulds are so pesky because a lot of the time writing isn't like that. And it's work or it's like shoved in the middle of 
you know, putting your kid down for bed in the middle of his like crying, um, or having it come to you when you're breastfeeding or, or whatever in the middle of your life, they just come sometimes. And so the fact that I took the time today to have that like blissful extended running experience, and it really only took me 10 or 15 minutes to both read and write a first draft of a poem, just reminded me how simple it can be to fit in creativity and how complicated we can tend to make it. I certainly tend to make creativity more complicated than it actually is. I've been meaning to art journal all weekend. I'm recording this on a Sunday afternoon, evening, and I have had the house to myself since Friday night. And my intention was to do some art stuff just for me, not for being productive, just let it be nourishing and, and, um, play. And I haven't done any of it. <laughs> not, I, I, well, I threw some paint on the paper before I was leaving yesterday, leaving the house. I don't remember where I was going. It's going somewhere. And I threw, squared some paint on the art journal page and rolled it with, um, a little roller thing. And so it, it would be dry when I came back and I could use it, you know, paint over that initial paint layer. And I didn't paint over it. Haven't done anything except for right before starting to record this podcast a few moments ago. I did another page just like that, where I put down a base paint layer and rolled it around with my little rolly thing. That's a technical term, by the way, rolly thing. <laughs> um, and, you know, I don't know why I haven't been art journaling to this weekend, even though I have the time and space and desire and need to do it. Something's been stopping me, and I think it's the same thing that's been stopping me from the writing. And it's fear, fear, fear. Oh, my gosh. And I know I've talked about fear on this podcast before, and this podcast is only on its seventh episode. This is only the seventh episode, and fear, I feel like, has already come up a lot as a topic, but I think it's because it's so huge in our creative lives. It's certainly a huge, um, excuse me, obstacle in my creative life, Um, and it is the number one stopping agent in my creative life, if I can call it that. It's my number one roadblock. And so I wanted to talk about it a little bit more. And I imagine it's a roadblock for a lot of you. I think it's probably a roadblock for all of us. <laughs> um, that's why there are so many books written about overcoming your creative blocks and overcoming fear. Because in the end, like I said, creativity really is simple. It's sitting down for 10 minutes to scribble out some words. It's sitting down for a half an hour to art journal. Except I made it so complicated because it had to be good. I just wanted it to be good or I wanted to be feeling a certain way before I sat down to do it. Or what if it wasn't good? What if it was a waste of time because it wasn't good and I couldn't use it for anything. You ever have those thoughts? I have them a lot. (laughs) Where I feel like everything I do has to have an explicit purpose. So if I'm going to art journal, well then I better be able to use that page or those couple of pages in my zine or sell art prints of them or something else. I don't even know. But why can't I just be 
for itself? Why can't it be just for me? When you go to school, how much of that work is for a purpose other than doing it so you can learn the thing that you're learning, right? I mean, I I have a degree in creative writing and I spent, I didn't actually get to take any creative writing classes my freshman year of college because they're really popular, the intro courses, but I spent three out of my four undergraduate years studying creative writing and practicing it and writing things and not one of them ever went towards some other purpose than just being and teaching me and being practiced and being for myself. And that's fine. That's good, right? Learning is an important part. Practicing is an important part. Being just for the sake of being, doing just for that beingness and doingness and not for the, oh, I have to make money or I have to get this done or this is on my checklist and so I have to get the checklist done before I do something for myself. Those are not true, right? Ugh, but we overcomplicate things. So what brings us to a point where we can step beyond the complications that we create or we can step beyond the fear or sidestep it? evade it in some way if we can even if we can't defeat the fear we can maybe like slip out of its grasp if only for a little while how do we get to that point and you know i think there's a really awesome quote from someone i really like but i can't think of the quote exactly and i definitely can't think of the person it's attributed to but i think like i'm feeling it's probably elizabeth gilbert from big magic or maybe stephen pressfield from um, the War of Art or some of his other um, resistance books, books about overcoming resistance and creativity. And the quote is, I don't, well, I don't know the quote either, <laughs> but the sentiment of the idea, and I, that's why I want to give um, some sort of really loose um, credit, even though I don't know who I'm exactly crediting, it's because this is not an idea that comes from me. Um, but I think it's really true for all of us and that we all feel it um, and that we finally sidestep that fear or the excuses that we put out or the complications that we create over something that really isn't that complicated. You want to write, you sit down and write. You want to do art, you sit down and try, you know, but we add all of these things or we let the fear get added into how do we get that past that? And I think it, um, comes down to a level, not level, it comes down to torture, (laughs) right? Because I think when we don't do the work that we know that we are meant to do and that we want to do and we often love to do and that we need to do, when we're not doing that, it's kind of like this torture thing (laughs) that we're doing to ourselves. We're kind of harming ourselves in a weird way in a certain sense. And it's true that creativity is also uncomfortable, but it's a different sort of uncomfortable. And so we, we start doing our creative thing once it's, um, it's more uncomfortable 
to not do our work than it is to do our work. Once it hurts more to evade the work than it hurts to evade the fear or push through the fear or work through our complications that we, our complexities that we put in our way. When it hurts more to not write, when it hurts more or sucks more or is more uncomfortable or detrimental than the comfort of procrastination, dubious comfort to be sure, but there is comfort in procrastination, right? Because if we haven't made the thing yet, then it can't be bad. It can still be glorified in our minds, but once we make it, it's going to be what it is. And we can certainly improve upon it and edit and rewrite and repaint and work with it, but it's no longer an ideal. But when that's, that's better than not doing it at all, then we do it, which is awesome. But it also kind of sucks that it takes that to get us to that point, right? Which is, I think, where habit comes in. You know, habit can carry us past the fear and past our self-made complications, past the discomfort and the unknown of creating. Because we have this vessel to sail in through these maybe murky waters if you allow me that metaphor. <laughs> um, but it's, I think it's harder when we don't do it very often because then we have these like shots in the dark and I'm mixing metaphors now, so please forgive me. <laughs> but I mean, I don't, I don't know anything about shooting guns, um, but I'm assuming that if I shoot a gun one time, every week or once every couple of months or so, I'm not going to be a very good shot. And my chances of hitting my target are low <laughs> versus if I go to the, the shooting range every weekend and I spend 30 minutes every weekend working on it, or I go every day, then I'm going to be an even better shot. And there's different levels of habits. We could do a daily habit, a weekly habit, every other day. Depends on, on the task, of course. But if we want to get this kind of this boat, this craft to carry us through our fear and our scaredness, not a word, but I made it up anyway, <laughs> and the discomfort the more we use the boat, uh, the stronger that boat is going to be, I think. And the less we'll have to be in that torture zone, the procrastination torture zone. So yay. Yay for less torture. That also equals, hopefully, more creative work. Because the more creative work we do, the better we feel, the more whole we feel. And professionally, the better we get, right? And again, this is not necessarily about getting better and selling things and getting your stuff out in front of people, but that could very well be a part of it, but it can't be a part of it. It can't be a part of your creative life if you're not doing the base work. And the base work is the showing up, right? And so I 
feel really good right now, in addition to my feeling a little bit silly or a lot silly about not writing, I feel really, really good because I made something today. Finally, my body and my mind and my heart and my soul have been crying out and to, they've been crying out to make something, to put words down on paper, you know, and I've been sort of doing some writing, like I've been sending out some newsletters, but that is not the same to me. Um, it doesn't give me the same sense of vital aliveness. So now that I've done it, my body and mind and heart and soul say, yes, 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 yes. Thank you. You're doing what you're, we're meant to be doing. Thank you. And pleasant side effect. It makes me want to write more because it wasn't nearly as painful as I thought it would be. It certainly wasn't anywhere near as painful as not writing. And best of all, it's helped me dissipate at least in part, this sort of panic that's been building up inside of me, this panic because I'm, I'm, I've been panicking because I'm in that zone where, or I guess I was in the zone where I didn't know if I could do it anymore. I didn't know if I had it anymore. The chops, the writing chops, if I had the good words, um, if I had powerful phrases and phrases and imagery and emotion ready to pour out of me onto the page because that's what's kind of stopped me in the past few months because I haven't been riding in my habit boat <laughs> into a practice of writing my shots in the dark. A lot of them haven't hit my, my target at all, like much less a bullseye. They're not even on the, the target. <laughs> um, and that has felt really scary. And, you know, we're not always always going to make good work, right? We're going to make crappy work sometimes. That's part of it. That's part of the job description and it's fine. But when you're putting out a very limited amount of work and then you turn out something that's not very good, it's scary because it's proportionally maybe higher than what it might have been if you were putting out something every day or every week. Instead, you're putting something out every few weeks or every six months. And so not only are those, those few pieces higher stakes because, um, more is riding on them, but they're also more likely to miss the mark. Right. So I guess I got lucky this time around because while I don't feel like I wrote my best poem ever that I've ever written, I do feel like I turned out a poem that I'm, I'm pleased with. I'm happy with that. Um, I feel satisfied and maybe I'll work with it some more and see what it could become. But I got lucky. I, I got on my target. Didn't make a bullseye maybe, but I'm somewhere on the target. <laughs> I hit something <laughs> that I was aiming for. Um, so that's awesome, but also maybe kind of lucky. And I equally could have missed the target altogether and then felt demoralized and then not picked up my pen for another few months. And then who's to say if I would have turned out something that was satisfying in another few months and then maybe more months would go, you know, but if I have a habit, even if proportionally the amount of not as good work compared to the satisfying work is the same, if it's the same amount ratio wise between if you're writing every day versus writing sporadically, even if the ratio is exactly the same, proportionally it's the same, 
I think it's going to be easier to still do your creative work because you're not only in your habit boat, which is nice and comfy and supportive, but you are consistently putting out satisfying work, even if you're also consistently putting out less satisfying work. You're, you're more regularly getting that positive feedback that comes when you make something that you're like, hey, that's kind of awesome. I kind of like that, you know? And then, of course, again, the more you practice, the higher the amount of satisfying work you're going to make versus less satisfying work just because you're improving your skills. So all that to say, I am super glad that I wrote today and really grateful that it went well and loved my Audrey Lord um, reading. That was wonderful. I'm actually going to go read some more. Um, and then maybe write some more because again, I've gotten that little like boost of, of, um, self-confidence dissipating some of my panic of, Oh, I'll never write again. I've lost my, my talent. Um, now I want to go try it again and see what else I can make. Um, I want to know what you're going to do this week. Maybe what are you going to do this week that will help you get in your habit boat if you're not already in it and move past fear and ride through whatever barriers you put up between yourself and the work that you know that you're here to do. I would really love to know, to hear what your thoughts are. So head on over to the She of the Wild community on Facebook and let us know. It's a free group to join. Um, There is 200 amazing souls in there and um, it's a very active group. So I'm sure you'll be greeted by some warm welcomes, definitely from me, but also from um, your fellow community members. So come tell us what your little tricks and foibles are for getting yourself um, out of the torture of procrastination and into the less um, less uncomfortable discomfort <laughs> of doing your work. I would love to hear. And thank you again for listening. Um, again, this is Beth of sheofthewild.com. And I wanted to let you know really quickly that I am having a new e-course coming out. It starts August 1st and it's called Embrace Your Sacred Space. And it's about using creativity and sacred practices and movement um, to create space for yourself, for your body, mind, heart, creativity, words, intuition, and more so that you can live a more whole and vital and authentic and vibrant life. And it's currently on early bird discount. And I mentioned this on episode six of this podcast. And at the time I said the early bird discount would only last through the solstice, June 20th, but I've changed my mind. I am going to keep the early bird discount going for, um, the entirety of the time left between now and when the course opens. So the course starts on August 1st. You'll get your first email with your first content um, on August 1st, but it's currently open 
to nab your spot. So you can go register right now and you'll save $50 if you get in there by August 1st. So head over to sheofthewild.com slash space so you can reserve your spot and then I'll see you in August. And I'm really excited. I have some um, really fun, crafty lessons for you, like like arts and crafty, not like <laughs> crafty, although maybe they're that too. Um, and they're different from any of my other art videos that I've done before, if you've ever seen any of those from a little bit back in the day. <laughs> um, so we're working a little bit more 3D this time, and I think it's going to be really fun and really, um, and really invigorating and nurturing. So I'd love to see you. Sheofthewild.com slash space. The class is called Embrace Your Sacred Space, and I hope you'll join us. Okay, until next time, this is Beth, and thank you so much for listening. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the She of the Wild podcast. For more inspiration and support for your creative journey, please visit www.sheofthewild.com. 